Shalom Aleichem, Shalom everyone. I hope you can hear me and um, we'll get uh, rolling here. We've been uh, in this study for some time and uh, we've actually come a very long way with the whole idea, thank you for letting me know, with the whole idea of actually climbing the ladder. This is uh, uh, a reference really to the ladder of Jacob and based on a commentary, the commentary of Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag, mainly that's who we've covered. We've also brought in a lot of other rabbis, the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi, uh, the contemporary rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg, the great Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Wuzato, Rabbi Nachman. Last week we looked at a few of his, his words. And, but basically, we're really working on the whole idea of changing the way we think. And our main textbook has been a, a book that's entitled actually in the shadow of the ladder. It's a translation really of two separate, and it's, and it's only parts of them, of two separate, uh, introductions that Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag gave to us. Now you often hear me call him the Baal HaSulam, which means the master or the owner of the ladder. And he received that title because of the commentary that he wrote concerning, uh, his commentary on the Holy Zohar. And we've already covered and looked at his introduction to the to the study of the Holy Zohar to get the main point, the most important thing that we have to that we really have to grasp a hold of, and I always remind you of it because it always has to do with this transformation that we make of our own will to receive for ourselves alone into a will to receive in order to bestow, in order to give, in order to give benefit to others, in order to give pleasure to Hashem. And that's why we make and have been so strong, like the note that we make at the front of this, where I just give you the contact information that just, just to always remember that when we study Torah, and that's exactly what we're doing right now, that we need to have the motivation or the intention to study in order to please Hashem. And that, and that if we'll do this, because it pleases Him for us to study His words, for us to study His Torah. And if we do that, it really makes all the difference in the world on the benefit that it will have both to us and to other people and also in giving pleasure to him. Now we have come to and have been in it for some time now, Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag's, uh, the Baal HaSulam's, just his introduction to the study of the Ten Sefirot and already we've seen he's told us lots and lots of things without too much emphasis actually even on the Ten Sefirot. Um, but this does come from his introduction to that. Now, the last time we were together and we spent really two lessons in this just to cover uh, where he is trying to show us that each and every one of us has and I probably should have brought back the definitions I forgot to put them in this presentation the, the PowerPoint uh, but his each and every one of us has the quality of a Rasha of a, of a wicked person and the quality of a Benoni which is an in-between person and the quality of a Tzadik which is a, a really righteous person and uh, and really, really attached to God at all times. Okay? Now, he's, he's gone through that, meaning that we all have these potentials within us to do these things. And he's gone through a, a tremendous amount of explanation. And he was just finishing it the last time we were together. And this is where we left off. If you have the Sefer uh, in the Shadow of the Ladder, it's actually on page 186. It will be paragraph 133. That's where we're going to back up just one paragraph and start again, where he's talking about this. 
where he begins to say, he says, concerning what we said earlier, that free choice, free choice now, meaning for a tzaddik, what he's trying to say, is meaning for a tzaddik, a person who really comes to the level of being a tzaddik, and especially a tzaddik gamul, a completed tzaddik, then free choice honestly no longer exists. He says free choice only operates during the period of the concealment of God's face. Now remember what he's talking about when he talks about the concealment of God's face, whether double concealment, single concealment, or the revelation of God's face, which the first level is through the transformation from the fear of sin, the next level from the transformation of the love of God. And we've covered all this in depth, but you have to always bring this to your memory. Uh, he's talking about our understanding, the way we perceive God's providence, his providence in the world. Is it concealed to us? Do we not see him operating at all? Uh, do we see him, maybe he's doing it, maybe he's not? Or do we really see that he really is doing everything in the world? He's behind all the things that happen and is in perfect control of everything. But we are the wild card in determining so many, many things, as the Ramchal has shown us again and again. Okay, pick back up with the Baal HaSulam. He says, free choice only operates during the period of the concealment of God's face. He says, and we need to know that that doesn't imply that once a person has become worthy of perceiving divine providence through the revelation of God's face, that doesn't mean at all that he or she no longer has to work and to labor in the Torah and in the keeping of the commandments. On the contrary, he says, the main work with the Torah and the mitzvot actually begins now because it begins in the correct way, and it begins only after a person has really attained the transformation, not even just through the, the fear of sin, but a transformation through the love for God. And only then, he says, is it truly possible for this person to practice the Torah and the mitzvot with both the love of God and with the fear of sin. They're really two sides of the same coin. As we, as we have been commanded to do. As it is written in the Talmud. And he, and he finished, we finished last week with this, with this idea that the world was created only for the sake of the complete tzaddik. Meaning this is what Hashem wants us to move to. This level. And remember... This is part of, that, of the, that level of understanding divine providence, knowing that everyone, eventually, Hashem will bring them. He may bring them suffering through suffering, or he may bring them kicking and screaming. But he will bring all souls that can be redeemed. He will bring them to this level of the love of God, which means there are many, many different levels of this also. Anyway, he wants to tell us now, and I want to go on with this idea, because he wants to tell us a story. And and he says, we can understand everything he's talking about here. The whole the whole situation of when he was talking about the quality of a Russia, the quality of a Benoni, the quality of a Tzaddik, all of these things by an analogy. He said, we can understand it by analogy with this story. And let me just read to you his story, okay? He says, there was once a king who wanted to choose the most faithful subjects of his kingdom and bring them into his service inside his innermost palace. In other words, right where the king was all the time and lived. So what did he do? He issued a public proclamation throughout his entire kingdom that everyone who so desired, whether they were great or small, 
they should come to him and they should work in his innermost palace. He would give them a job. They can live and work in his innermost palace. But at the same time, he appointed many guards from among his servants. And those guards he stationed at the entrance to the palace, the gate of the palace. And he also stationed them along all the roads that led to the palace. And he commanded them to cunningly deceive all those approaching the palace and to lead them away from the road which led to the palace. Very interesting. Let him go on and continue with the story. Naturally, he says, all the citizens of the country, as soon as they heard this proclamation, they began to run to the king's temple, to the king's palace, but they were led astray by the cunning of the diligent guards. Still, many of them managed to overcome the guards, and they actually succeeded in approaching the door of the palace. But those who guarded, those guards who guarded the doorway, they were the most diligent guards of all. And if anyone actually arrived at the doorway, then these guards deflected them with their great cunning until this person went back the way he came. But most of, many of these people, he says, would return more forcefully and stronger than ever, and they would come back again and again, and so it would go on for days even for years, until many of them would give up and they would not try any more. And only the most valiant of all, whose patience, who had patience, and whose patience stood them in good stead, only they were able to overcome those guards and open the door. And immediately upon opening the door, they immediately merited to see the face of the king, who then assigned each one to the duty, to the real job that he had in mind for them all along, to the duty that was most suited for them. Very, very interesting story he is, he is giving to us, and it's still not over. A little more. He says, from then onwards, from that point onwards, they no longer had any more dealings with those guards who had deflected them and who had embittered their lives for so many days and so many years as they were going back and, back and forth, to and fro, to the palace, and then turned away back. For now, they were worthy to work and to serve, facing the majestic light of the king in his innermost palace. Now, let's see his analogy. His analogy, he says, the same is true. The same is true of the work of the complete tzaddik. The work that a complete tzaddik, to become a complete tzaddik, a, a tzaddik gamul, this is the same thing that the tzaddik goes under, he says. And the free will that functions, the free will that we have, that functions at the time of the concealment of God's face, when we're living either in double concealment or single concealment, basically he's telling us that's the only time you actually have free will and free choice. Because once you come to the level of a tzaddik, your choice is actually taken away from you, and in a sense, your free will is taken because now you, as a tzaddik, you only want to do the will of Hashem, which is to work in the Torah and to keep the mitzvot. That's exactly what it is. Let's go on. So he says, this free will that functions at the time of the concealment of God's face, it certainly no longer operates. Once he or she has opened the door, to the perception of revealed providence, or the revelation of God's face. However, he says, just like in the story, this person, he or she, begins the main service of God, 
This is when they really find their true job. They've been, they haven't been doing their true job before. Uh, and now they've come to their true job, their main service, he says, of God at the moment of the revelation of God's face, face excuse me, the revelation of God's face. When, he says, the tzaddik now begins to tread the many steps of the ladder, whose base rests on the ground, and whose head reaches up into the heaven as it is written. And let's see, he's going to give us a verse. We have it here. As it is written, he says, and he quotes from Psalm 94 and verse 8, and the tzaddikim will go from strength to strength. Now listen to his explanation of that verse. Each tzaddik, he says, is helped by his fellow. Their service trains them to do God's desire so that through them the purpose of creation, which, by the way, is to give pleasure, is for God to give pleasure to his creatures according to his good and generous hand, so that that can be fulfilled. The purpose of creation can be fulfilled. Again, I, I, I stress to you, you may be sitting there saying, what in the world? I, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't even want to try to do this. And if it's like in the story and the guards are constantly turning us away, I think every one of us can actually pick the analogy up that this process of going and doing away with the quality of the Russia that's within us, <laughs> that quality of the Russia itself that's in us, if you remember back to the previous two lessons, that is, those are the guards, actually that continue to deflect us, that continue to actually keep us from coming to this point of the revelation of God's face, either through the fear of sin or with his help through the love for God. And and these guards, once you persist, this is the whole purpose of the story, is actually persistence and patience and continuing to do the work. You remember all those lessons we had? Where on the on the quotation from the Talmud that he gave that he gave to us on on if someone comes and tells you and says I didn't do any work but nevertheless I found don't believe them and if someone says I did the hard work but I didn't find don't believe them only believe the person who knows that they did the hard work and they found that that person you can believe because that's what it is so don't get discouraged by that in fact he's only telling us all of this to get it through to our heads that Hashem has actually invited us. <laughs> he has put out a proclamation to us and he has invited us to come to this, to the true level of service that he wants us to do. That we can find our true employment and that employment is serving him in the innermost palace, being totally connected to him and being close to him. That The idea of Devekut, being glued to him, cleaving to him. But he also set up a system whereby it's not so easy to do. And and we have to be persistent in it. And we have to do hard work. And this is what the Torah and the mitzvot are. What Rabbi Ashlag is putting across to us is we don't even reach the true service of the Torah, of serving God through his instructions in the Torah and through the commandments, until we have patiently persevered through this. That's what he's trying to tell us. But you also remember... In the last two lessons where this quality of the Rasha, these guards, so often they deflect us. And then what happens, it quotes that verse from Isaiah which says, And the tzaddik perishes. We don't make it. We don't reach that point of a tzaddik. So don't ever think that it's hopeless. Don't ever think any of those things. But be persistently thinking. And the only way we can do that, by the way, is the theme of all of these lessons. 
is by changing the way we think. We simply must, <laughs> I, can't, I can't begin to stress this enough to you, about changing the way we think about how the universe operates, about how Hashem brought it into existence, how He created it, about our souls and where they come from, where they actually come from, and what it is that actually separates us from Him, that being this will to receive for ourselves alone. This is our main battleground. This is what we have to work in. And the Torah and the mitzvot, the commandments, are there to actually help us in that. That's the whole idea. Okay. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. I can get wound up there, you know. I really can. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, he says, this is about the idea of revelation and concealment. Now he's going to begin to show us why things have to be in concealment anyway. Why do we even have to go through that stage? Because some people will say that. Well, you know, if God wants us to know him, if he, if he really wants us to know him, then why does he hide? Why does he conceal himself? Why in this world, this physical world, and this is the whole process of, of being in this physical world, this is the world that is most removed from him. It still doesn't mean he's not here, and it doesn't mean he's not connected to it, but it's most removed from him and most separated from him in the, in the sense that we don't see him. We don't see him as he really is here. He is hidden. He is concealed. And this is why so many people walk around in double concealment. They think the world is run by chance. They think the world is run by coincidence, luck, uh, randomness, all, all of those things. And the whole, th the whole deal of really understanding divine providence is to know that there is nothing that is random. Absolutely nothing. And uh, that's like my teacher, Rabbi Chaim Richman of the Temple Institute, often says when you put the CD in in your CD player and you hit random where it's randomly selecting tracks to play he's, he always looks at you a little funny and he says do you really think that's random what he means is there's nothing random but this is the idea of concealment so why does that have to happen well <coughs> excuse me well Rabbi Ashlag wants to tell us wants to give us this illustration so let's look he says one should know actually it's not an illustration it's a spiritual law he said the supreme spiritual law that revelation, the revealing of something, can only occur in a place where there was once concealment. He says this is also true even with regard to matters of this world, of this physical world, in which something that's absent or absent precedes coming into being. For example, and he gives an example, he says wheat only grows in the place where the seed was first sown and then the husk has rotted. In the same way, in spiritual matters, there is a direct relationship between concealment and revelation. And he says, and it's like that of the wick of a candle to the light which it holds. Because for every concealment, everything that's concealed, once it has been healed, now don't let that trip you up. What's he talking about the healing of this concealment? The healing of double concealment is to come to the stage of single concealment. The healing of single concealment is to come to the stage of the revelation of God's face through the transformation of the fear of sin and so on. So for every concealment, he says, once it has been healed, it now reveals to us a light that is specific to that particular concealment. And the light that is revealed, he says, is connected to it just as the flame is caught and held by the wick. 
And then anytime one of the rabbis says something like this, you know that this is something really important he's trying to get across to us. He says, remember this in all your ways. This is a piece of advice to to us to be able to remember this and know this in all of our walk and everything that we do, where Hashem may seem very far away, where he may seem to be hiding, where he may seem to be concealed. If we remember this, (laughs) this spiritual law that says... Revelation can only occur in a place where there was once concealment. This is something that that actually is to encourage us. Even though he may be concealed in this matter now, it doesn't mean that's always the way it will be. Strive to see him behind the scenes. No, you don't even have to strive. Just know that he is behind the scenes. Eventually, he will be absolutely revealed to you in, in, in every way. This is the idea. Okay, let's go on. We'll get as far as we can because we, you know, even though we're coming towards the end of this entire study, there's still a tremendous amount of work we have to do here. So we'll try to make some time here. Now he says we can understand. And he wants to talk to us now throughout the rest of probably what we'll do in this particular lesson about the whole Torah and the Torah in general. What the Torah is and its relationship to Hashem. And we do have, we have some things to learn here. So open, you know, try to open the mind and let's, let's try to get it. Now he says we can understand what Chazal, what the sages meant when they said that the whole Torah actually consists of the names of God. He says, wait a minute. And you know Rabbi Ashlag always asks the most penetrating questions. He says, wait a minute. At first glance, he says, that is a very surprising statement. Why? Because we find a lot of coarse matters in the Torah. There are the names, he says, for instance, of evil people like Pharaoh and Bilam and others. There are things that are forbidden. There are things that are unclean. There are cruel curses, he says, which are to be found in the section of uh, reproofs, tochacha, uh, and such like. And he says, and how can we understand all those things as being names of God? What in the world are the sages saying? (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) What in the world can they possibly mean when they say the whole Torah consists of the names of God? Let's go on. He says, in order to understand this, then we need to know, number one, Hashem's ways are not our ways. Our way, the human being way, is to go from the imperfect and come to the perfect. But in Hashem's way, in God's way, however, he says, all revelations emanate, come out from the perfect, and come down to the, to the imperfect. For creation, he says, originates and comes forth from God in a completely perfect state. This perfect state separates from the face of God and evolves or maybe we should say devolves, it changes, goes through changes, through many levels until it comes to its final and most contracted, and that, that's the concept of Tsim most contracted level, which is the level most suited to our material world, the world of Asiyah. And then it can be revealed to us here in this world. Now do we get, and I sh- probably should have put a, the, the diagram showing really the five worlds. First we have the Ein Sof, and this is how, if you remember back to the very beginning of, of this entire series long ago, <laughs> how 
I showed you the Ein Sof and how the endless one, the one without end, and how out from him emanates a level of, it's not even creation yet, a level of what's called Adam Kadmon, the Adam. Well, actually it is creation, I'm sorry. Then emanating from that is what's called the world of emanation or Atsilut, the, the world of nearness because it's next to the Ein Sof. And then from that comes down to us the world of Bria, which is creation. Then from Bria, these are spiritual worlds. From Bria is, is emanated the world of, of Yetzirah, which is formation. And then from the world of formation is emanated and comes down to us in the world of Asiyah, which includes the spiritual level of Asiyah and the world of making, by the way, or doing or action which includes the spiritual level of Asiya and the physical universe itself, our physical world. Because that's the goal of everything. That's where everything can actually interact, only in a physical world. And this is why we have to have it. So what he is talking to us about here is creation as it comes forth way up in the level of Adam Kadmon, which is all the possibilities, absolutely all the possibilities of everything that could possibly exist. And it, it, that's perfect. And then it comes down to us all the way down through all of these levels, these different worlds, these different universes, each time becoming a little more imperfect. Be why? Because if you remember also back, we have a side of uncleanness, we have a side of holiness that is, that is, actually, that actually is hiding Hashem. It's because Hashem is more concealed. That's what he means by imperfect. Is more concealed in every level that comes down from the Ein Sof. Until finally, he is almost completely concealed in the physical world. That's the idea. But f but from us, when we think about it, we have to start where we are. And we're down here in this physical world. So we start from the most imperfect, where he is totally concealed level, to move up. And this is what he's saying. God's ways are not our ways. Hashem's ways are not our ways. Our way is to go from the imperfect and come to the perfect. In Hashem's way... Everything starts out from the perfect level and comes down to the imperfect level or the concealed level. Okay? All right. These are, actually, these are what we are talking about here right now. They are, they are very uh, extremely high Kabbalistic concepts of understanding the Torah and understanding how the universe works. So I'm not trying to overwhelm you, but they are just basic things that we need to, to, to deposit in the file cabinet in the brain and to be able to pull out and remember uh, from time to time so that we remember and have a working knowledge of how things work in the universe. This is of the absolute utmost importance because if we don't know the rules and we don't know how something is actually working, then we're wandering around like a, like a blind person uh, feeling the wall and maybe we find something, maybe we don't. Maybe we, maybe we can uh, find what we need, but more than likely we won't. So that's why this is so important. Okay. Still can... Concerning the Torah, he says, So, thus, you may know, he says, that the Holy Torah, of whose virtue there is no end, it did not originate before Hashem in the form in which it appears in this world. Now, that's, a, that's an eye-opener to most people. It really is. Bear with him. Listen to what he is trying to tell us. It's extremely important. The Holy Torah, of whose virtue there is no end, did not originate before Hashem in the form in which it appears in this world. It is known, he says, that the Torah and Hashem are one. This is coming from the Oral Torah. The Torah and Hashem are one. But, he says, 
we cannot see this in the Torah of this world, meaning the level of Asiyah, this physical universe that we have. We can't see that at all. Not only that, he says, and he's going to mention something here that he will, that I can't remember actually to tell you the truth if we have already talked about this. I have a feeling that we have, but he may talk about it again. I can't remember, but just to remind you, he says not only that, but for one who practices Torah, not not for its own sake. Meaning what? Meaning practicing Torah or studying Torah in order to get something personally out of it, to get something for yourself alone. That is not studying for its own sake. Studying Talmud Torah Lishma, meaning study of the Torah for her sake, for its own sake, that means in order to please Hashem. That has to be our intention. Okay? If not, he says, if we are doing it not for its own sake, the Torah in this world can even become a drug of death. It can become a poison to a person. Let him continue to explain. What is this he's talking about? The Torah and Hashem are one, he says, but we can't see that in the Torah of this world at all. He says we have to know that the form that the Torah is in in this world, meaning the garments that it has on, the clothes that it wears, that's not the clothes that it wears in the upper universes. Okay? Let him explain. In the beginning, he says, when the Torah was formed before God, before Hashem, it came forth in the highest degree of perfection, and it embodied the aspect of the unity of the Torah and God. And it did so in actuality. It really was actually, they're the same. This is called, he said, the Torah of the world of Atzilut. Now remember, that's the level of the universe, or the universe, that highest level, which is called nearness, or the world of emanation. Of which it is written, by the way, he gives it to us, and this is coming from the Tikkunei HaZohar, uh, and, he, and in his commentary, the Ma'alot HaSulam. Uh, this is called Torah of the world of Atzilut, of which it is written, He, Hashem, and His life force, and His vessels are one. <coughs> Excuse me. That is such an extremely high concept. Let's not, don't bog yourself down in it. Let's just try to understand. And let me find something to stick in my mouth, or maybe I'll stop this silly coughing. Hold on. Let's just try to understand what he is trying to show us, that the Torah of the upper universes, no matter what level it's on, it wears different clothes. Okay? Let's try to understand what he's saying by that. So he and his life force and his vessels are one. It says, And then the Torah went forth from God, and it underwent many contractions. Many tzimtzumim. Stage after stage, until it was given on Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, to Moshe in the form that we recognize in this world. And that form is what? Enclothed in the coarse garments of this world. In other words, in stories about real human beings. All of those things. That's what he's meaning about being enclosed in the coarse garments of this world. So when we read the Torah, we can look and we can look at a story about Abraham or Yitzhak or Yaakov. And we can see the literal story that's going along. But those are the coarse garments of this world. And <laughs> because it's being played out in this world, and it's what we have to have to understand in this world. However, because it is the Torah, 
that means that all of these there is so much not under the surface but actually in the letters themselves there's so much more there's things that we can learn about the world of Atsi, uh, uh, the world of Yetzirah uh, that's above us the world of Bria and the happenings in it above that and even the world of Atsilut so so much and this is you know this is really the insight of the Holy Zohar which is actually telling us all of these other things that are going on in those stories and in those commandments it's just a, it's just the most unbelievable amazing thing that you can ever imagine let's go on let's just get let's let's get his ideas i'm 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 uh, i'm schlepping some of mine in here and beating you with them and maybe i shouldn't maybe we i need to stick with uh, rabbi ashlag for right now he says however we need to know that even though there is a huge difference between the garments of the Torah in this physical world, in other words, the language that it's enclosed in, there's a huge difference between those garments and its garments in the world of Atsilut, the highest level. The Torah itself, which is to say the light, the light that is inside those garments, that light does not change in any way at all. It's still exactly the same light. That's how we can read, we can study a passage in the Torah here, and we can see what's actually going on behind it in the world of Atsilut, in, in, the, in the highest spiritual level. He says the light of the Torah, <coughs> excuse me, the light of the Torah of Atsilut is just the same as that of the Torah of this world, just like it's written. He says, why should this surprise us? Because the prophet Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 6, says, I, Hashem, do not change. I do not change. I'm ex absolutely the same. So it shouldn't surprise us that the light of the Torah of Atsilut is exactly the same as that of the Torah of this world. Just different clothes. Just different garments. Furthermore, he says, the coarse garments in which the Torah is enclosed in our world of Asiyah, they actually do not in any way diminish its light. We can still see this light. We can, we can, it's not diminished because of those garments. On the contrary, he says, those coarse garments, they are incomparably more important for the task of completing the transformation. All right? They're exactly what we need. To be able to complete the transformation, to be able to change, to be able to effect a change upon ourselves, to come closer to Him, to change our will to receive for ourselves alone into a will to receive in order to give. He says they are much more important for the task of completing the, the transformation than the more spiritual garments which the Torah wears in the higher worlds. Why is that? Because concealment is the first cause of revelation. If the Torah, if Hashem wasn't so concealed in the coarse garments of the Torah in this world, he would, he, we can't come to the same level of the revelation of him when he does reveal himself to us through the Torah. These are amazing things he's actually saying. When concealment has been healed and transformed into revelation, then it becomes like the wick of a candle with respect to the light that it holds. And the greater the concealment has been, oh, this is amazing. 
because the greater the concealment has been, then the greater the light it will reveal and hold at its healing. He's also giving us the reason here of why Hashem takes a soul from under his throne of glory. He hews out a soul and he puts it in a physical body so that it can return to him to stand before his throne. Meaning, the revelation that we have of him as a soul before being put in a, in a human body, that revelation is from under the throne of glory. But the revelation that we will get because we went through this time of concealment, being put in a human body in this physical world, when we return to him, now we stand before his throne of glory. That's a, this is the whole idea. Okay, let's, let's go on. Therefore, he says, the coarse clothing that the Torah wears in this world, it does not in any way cause the light of the Torah to diminish at all. I want to, I want to try to run ahead a little bit. And uh, I don't know if we'll finish early tonight. I, I doubt that, but who knows? Because I don't have much more left to that I prepared for. But that's okay too. I want to finish these thoughts on the Torah that he's talking about, where we don't kick them out and then come back. And this will set us up for for the next lesson that he wants to begin to work work on us, uh, where where he actually puts up. Uh, makes comments on this scripture where it says, where Hashem says, forsake me, even if you forsake me, keep my Torah. In other words, even it's okay even if you forsake me, but keep my Torah. And he, and he has so much that we have to learn about that. And this is just the background to it. So let's get this idea. He wants to tell us from the Talmud now, a very, very famous passage uh, from the Talmud in Shabbat 89a where this, this conversation between God and the angels and Moshe Rabbeinu, when uh, God is giving to Moshe the Torah. And that here, it, here it goes. We're just going to quote it from the Talmud. When Moshe ascended on high, the ministering angels spoke before the Holy One, blessed is he. Lord of the universe, they said, what business has one born of a woman among us? What's going on here? And Hashem answered, he has come to receive the Torah. And then they ask him, You desire to give the Torah to this flesh and blood? And the Holy One, blessed be he, said to Moshe Rabbeinu, or Moshe, He said, You answer them. I, I'm not going to answer them. You answer them. So Moshe said to them, Tell me, do you feel jealousy? Do you have a father and a mother? Do you have an evil inclination, an evil side to your nature? Do you have any of those things? <coughs> Excuse me. And this actually answered all the question. It put it all down. In other words, the Torah for the angels at their level of either Yetzirah or Briah or Atzilut. <coughs> Excuse me. That's, that's always nice to be teaching and then suck the cough drop down your throat in the middle of things. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's so fun to study with me sometimes. I know. Y'all bear with me. Okay. So this is the whole idea. The Torah and the garments that Hashem is giving, that is delivering the Torah to human beings, it's made just for us. This Torah that we are getting is not made for you. Because it talks about human, human things, jealousy. It talks about the evil inclination. It talks about honoring a father and a mother. And none of those things apply to you. And so this was the right answer to give to them. And the angels held their peace. Okay. Let me find myself here. 
He says this pa- this passage actually illustrates this passage from the Talmud illustrates that as we have explained, the greatest concealment reveals the greatest light. And Moshe demonstrated to the angels that it is impossible for the greatest lights to be revealed through the pure garments which the Torah which the Torah wears in the world of the angels. It's only possible for those greatest lights to be revealed through the garments of this world, the world of Asiya, the world of doing. So, he says, there is no difference at all between the Torah of Atzilut, where the Torah and Hashem are one. There's no difference between that and the Torah of this world. The only difference between those two lies in the garments that they wear. It is the garments of this world, he says, that conceal God and actually hide him. Now, this this should finish us here on what we're trying to accomplish tonight. Uh, Let's get his last bit of instruction here. He says, we need to know that by the virtue of his being, meaning, meaning Hashem, of God's being enclosed in the Torah, and what does that word Torah mean? It actually means teaching or instruction. That God is known as Moreh. Moreh in Hebrew means a teacher. And this is to inform us, he says, that at the time of single and even of double concealment, Hashem is still present and he is enclosed within the Torah. For Hashem is the teacher. He is the Moreh. The coarse garments, he says, of the Torah of our world act like wings that cover and conceal the teacher, may his name be blessed, who is enclosed and concealed by them. However, he says, when a person comes to the point of meriting the revelation of the God's face, through the transformation of love of God in its fourth level, then it is said of him, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20, where it says, Your teacher, your moray, will no longer be covered over by wings, and your eyes will see your teacher. From then onwards, he says, the garments of the Torah, they no longer conceal the teacher, and it is revealed to the person for eternity that the Torah and God are one. What is this point? He's trying to get us to this level. He's trying to convince us. He's trying to explain to us uh, the reason things are the way they are in this world. And he's also trying very, very hard to convince us to have the patience and have the willpower and to, to continue on in this walk, uh, to continue on to come closer and closer to Hashem, and to continue on with uh, coming to new levels of understanding God's providence in the world, where he is no longer concealed from us, where we, where then we really do begin to see him in everything in the world, and in everything in our personal lives also, and in, in everybody else's lives. And where we finally come to that point of a great a tzaddik, a great tzaddik, which knows that Hashem is only good, God is only good, his whole desire and the whole purpose of creation is only to give pleasure to his creatures, this is the purpose. The greatest pleasure is God himself. There is no other pleasure greater than that. Attachment to him. And this is what he is bringing us to. And that he is only good and he only does good to the most righteous person in the world. As well as to the most wicked person in the world. 
that is that level of transformation in the fourth level of the love of God that he has lectured to us about so long. And he is just trying to explain the reason we have the Torah in the form that we have, the reason there even has to be concealment, because it's only with the concealment that we can come to the revelation of the greatest light that's in the Torah, which actually is Hashem himself. This is an ama- this is actually a, a, an entirely amazing thing. Take these things and begin to change the way we think about things. Uh, begin to change the way the you know the Torah is not. And when I say the word Torah, I mean both the written Torah and the oral Torah. This is not they they go hand in hand together. One without the other is not a good thing. And uh, so so when a Jew tells you Torah, he's meaning both of those things. He's actually meaning the entire Tanakh written. And all of the oral tradition that goes with it. All of the oral Torah that goes with it. Anyway, uh, this is the deal. It's not just something that was haphazardly put together. Or, or like some people think that was, it was edited again and again and again. And uh, that these are such weird, crazy th- theories coming from people who are totally in double concealment. Hashem is completely concealed from them. They do not see Him in the world. So how can they understand anything other than that everything is human invention? Uh, They too, Hashem will eventually bring them to the place of understanding Him and to the place of loving Him. So let's not worry about it. But let's worry about ourselves and correcting our own will to receive for ourselves alone. Okay, I'm going to actually cut it a little short tonight and let you go a little early. We've only been going for a while, but we're at a place where I where I don't feel completely beset or completely okay with jumping ahead into the next section because he has other things for us to understand. Hopefully tonight we got this one this one thing across that he's trying to tell us. He's been he's been trying to bring us along, showing us how how we need what we need to do and how we can process ourselves through to be coming to the place, or at least striving to come to the place of, of a complete tzaddik, are, if we don't like those terms, we don't want to think in that way, are at least of our perception of divine providence from the transformation of the fear of sin, at a minimum, the transformation of the fear of sin, and hopefully, with God's help, the transformation of the love of Hashem. Okay? That's what he's trying to bring us to. He knows it's difficult he knows there are many things that are that are both misunderstood and mistaught, and we make our own mistakes about them because we're thinking incorrectly, and uh, we make our own interpretations because we're thinking incorrectly, and then they, that leads us in different directions, and everybody has their own ideas, and everybody's so puffed up they think they actually even have the right to interpret the Torah, uh, you know, crazy things, but. If we're thinking incorrectly, I can see exactly how it happens. So the whole purpose of what we're doing is let's just try slowly, slowly to change the way we think. Slowly, slowly to get in the forefront of our minds what are the most important things from the sold level of teaching. From that secret level of teaching, the highest level of teaching. Which, by the way, <laughs> the, the, both the Talmud and the Zohar tell us that if we don't, know the sowed and meaning by that if we don't know the secret if we don't know how the universe operates then we can't even understand correctly the peshat the simple level of interpretation of the of God's word we can't even understand that correctly if we don't think correctly is what they're trying to say 
So let's try to do that. To hold within our, in the forefront of our mind, knowing where we come from, knowing what it is that separates our soul from Hashem, that puts us far away from Him, meaning the will to receive for ourselves alone. Knowing that we all have been in double concealment concerning God's providence, where we didn't see Him at all in the world. Knowing that He brought us from there to single concealment, where we, we begin to recognize that maybe that's Him. Maybe that maybe he did do that. Maybe he was responsible for that. And when people will tell you that's a God thing, and I always try to respond, everything. <laughs> Not just that, but everything is a God thing. He is doing everything. And then, slowly and through hard work and through the Torah and through the mitzvot, the commandments, they become a part of our life. And we begin to structure our life and and learn more and more from the Torah, from, from God's instruction to us. And then he brings us to that level of the transformation of the fear of sin, where it's an, uh, the revelation of his face. And we have to make that prayer, you know, Godly I open my eyes that I may behold the wonders of your Torah. Those are the things we have to keep in the forefront of our heads in, in order to come to the correct understanding, both of how the universe operates and of the correct understanding of divine providence. This is the idea. This is what the Baal HaSulam is trying to tell us. Is the most important thing that you will find in any Kabbalistic study. That's what it really is all about. Because that's what is bringing us closer to him. It removes the separation. To work on this will to receive for ourselves alone. Transforming it into a will to receive in order to give. Okay. Alright. Toda Rabah. Thank you very, very much. I always appreciate you. And I very, very much thank you that that uh, you love the Torah and that you love Hashem and that you are trying to come closer to Him. And with God's help and with the help of the Baal HaSulam and, and great rabbis like the Ramchal and Rabbi Ginsburg and others, we will, we, will, we will begin to move closer to Him with God's help. Okay, Todah Rabbah, thank you very, very much. The comments are unbelievable. And I'm so glad that you're finding this helpful to you. Uh, that's why we're doing it. Anyway, Todah Rabbah. And, uh, oh, you know, Pat, uh, it's not that I'm feeling bad. It's just that I cough all the time. <laughs> it's That's just me, someone who speaks almost every day and almost every night and has unbelievable sinus problems, all of those wonderful things, and uh, it just makes me cough. What can I do? Anyway, so I'm feeling okay, Baruch Hashem. Um, I'm I'm doing well, and I hope all of you are. Okay, I will talk to you soon, and maybe we'll visit later. I, I, I'm not sure I should even be visiting with you this way on the lesson, but uh, I enjoy you all very much, even though uh, even though I don't see your face. Okay, toda toda, shalom uvrakadu, peace and a blessing. Bye bye, shalom shalom.